Dude, you ready for this? Nice! That's a twisted tea, baby. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, the only thing that's gonna keep me alive through this. Are you drinking some Jane Walker and cola? I'm drinking some Jerome Walker, playboy. For your movement. <laughs> All right, so is this is this is this your bit? No, this is not the bit. This is not the bit. The bit is actually makes what I just Leroy did. Leroy Walker. This is Leroy Walker. Why don't you come up, pull the chair up next to me on the porch here, Leroy? I got to tell you about a new drink. It's called whiskey, and you and your brothers gonna craft it in this here basement for hundreds of years to come, passed down to your kin, so little Jewish boys can podcast and drink it all day while they podcast. Jewish boys, you say? <sighs> we ain't got none of them around here. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I am not Darnell DeLyons. I am Dan Lyons. <laughs> and I'm Dan Enden. Um, and uh, the bit that we are referring to, I guess, is how we should start this episode. Just so everybody knows, today we're going to do the 1986 film Soul Man. Um it's pretty much the most cursed movie I've ever seen. Um, I believe I've I've done a low-level human rights violation by even having watched it, or propagating it any further, or telling anyone about it, or recommending it in any way. Um, but this is a movie in which a guy who got into Harvard needs to essentially... <laughs> In his, I'm sorry, in his mind needs to uh, dress as if he were black, uh, wear full blackface and a wig, and um, accept a um, scholarship for exceptional Negroes so that he gets a tremendous amount of money off because he's drowning in debt and can't afford to put himself through college. That's the kind of um, highbrow shit that we're dealing with today, folks. Um, yeah. This is a movie that even when it came out was... Um, considered to be pretty awful, pretty much like a human rights violation, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. A, a hate crime, if you will. Um, <laughs> I, it, it was a film that was so racist that I don't even think racist people liked it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like it was, I, I don't know. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm truly regretful and remorseful that I wasn't alive to witness <laughs> th- this movie come out. Because I remember when I was younger um, watching, like, I Love the 80s and always when the episode with this movie would come on, I would turn to my dad and be like, was this like a fucking thing? Like, and he was like, oh, it was a thing. It was for sure a thing. Uh, I remember yeah. seeing um, his chocolate visage like on TV here and there. <laughs> um, and I always thought it's kind of like, um, you know how, sh- the, you know, since we've since come to realize as adult millennials that the guy from Short Circuit um, was not actually Indian. 
This is this is <laughs> yeah. like this is like yeah. the blackface version of that. Where like right. I, I had seen this like image of this guy in the makeup for the movie, in the costume for the movie, flashes of it, and kind of figured he was just like a strange minority man in like a weird comedy. <laughs> um, because like that's my superhero name in his minority <laughs> man in his white form. He's in the movie for like eight minutes right like as a white man he's barely in it so like the press and obviously the reaction to the movie was more leaned into in his white and more aesthetically palatable form (laughs) yeah in his in his less diseased ninja turtle looking form (laughs) um yeah uh wow this was a great upsetter um yeah really gonna be uh, feeling this one for a while it's it's just it's staggering how far the movie goes it, it's staggering that this movie was that able to acquire a real cast of actors and, you know, employ a ton of people. It went through various pitch meetings. I'm sure the script went through rewrites. Yes. And all along, apparently at each step of the way, there was someone who gave their stamp of approval on it. Right. And was like, let's do it. We're good. Well, Dan, before we careen into fully talking about this movie, I want to give you a little insight into what you're talking about. Now, Rachel only saw the movie for about two or three minutes. Um, she was violently disgusted by everything she saw. Um, and um, she had the same question that you did, where it's like, how did smart, capable, potentially professional people make such a volley of decisions that would lead them down a path so incredibly poor? Um Basically, the long story short about all this is that I inceptioned myself extremely hard um, in and around trying to devise what I thought would be a hilarious skit for this week's episode. Because you know, of, of all things, I'm all about the preparation, right? right. If, I, if I finish a movie midweek and I still have like a Thursday, Friday, I'm going to try to devise something fun. I'm going to try to, you know, throw something together that, you know, maybe if it's watch an extra movie or do a little extra homework. Um... So, long story short is, I didn't do any other homework for this episode. I have, like, basically no factual knowledge of the minstrel show that I watched this week. (laughs) Um, But I um, did abandon all of those other pursuits in favor of trying to do a skit, which I thought was going to be hilarious. Um, I want to take you through, first, the skit itself, which, um, since uh, has been banished to the hells of my mind... um, and I'm not sure how I even consider getting this far. But again, I want you to keep in mind that the question at hand is how could decent, capable, rational people get to a point where they would do blackface and think that it was okay? And I thought the same thing while also planning to do blackface myself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, all right. I want to get a couple things straight first. I was not going to paint my skin black until, like, this morning. Um, This morning, I I took a hard... (laughs) This morning I took That's a hard worse. curve. This morning I took a hard curve where I was like, listen, I'm doing the props. I've, I've got everything together. And now, like like anything in the podcast, I'm going to do some extra work. I'm going to take it extra far. So I went to Rachel, uh, my wife, at about 7 in the morning and said, hey, do you have any, like, dark makeup? And she was like, for what? And I was like... <laughs> 
I was like, no big deal. You're like, I'm going to go into an interface in which I could be screenshotted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all right. I said, no big deal. Uh, this is an audio platform. Um, none of our listeners are going to be tri- privy to this. All of this for me at this point was... It was just for you. No, 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 no. It wasn't just for me. And I don't want to be fucking gay or anything, but it was all for you. Like, I just wanted to make you laugh. Like, the whole point was just to make you laugh, right? So it started with the idea of, okay, we're going to rip this movie apart for thinking that it has the very balls and gall to be able to do blackface and pull it off. Because, uh, ostensibly, that's what's trying to be done here, right? The people who made this movie, someone probably said to them, dude, you can't do blackface. And they said, look, we're doing it ironically. We're going to have him make all these points about like why you shouldn't do it and illustrate you know what would happen if you did and the things that you would learn and blah 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 and they were like we've already figured that out that's why no one does it anymore and he's like no I really need to make a statement on how we shouldn't do blackface by doing an hour and a half of blackface meanwhile I'm plotting I'm plotting the exact same thing where I'm like okay I have to make a comment on on um, how absurd it would be to end up in a situation where you would ever think you would have to do blackface. So I wrote a speech. (laughs) I started by writing a small speech. I'm going to read that to you now. Um, As you well know, running a podcast takes a lot out of both of us. This is something we've discussed many times in the past and on the show. Besides the workload, preparation, movie watching, and paying for several different websites to host the podcast, running the movie blues has truly started to take its toll on me emotionally and financially. And for what? We... (laughs) We have been. <laughs> we have... I, I, I know where this is going. <laughs> and I, I wanted you to start realizing this, obviously, live as I was going to be saying it, but whatever. We have trouble getting feedback, <laughs> stirring up conversation, and getting <laughs> and getting people to interact with us on various platforms and in the rental zone. <laughs> Our listens for each episode rarely reach past 100, and without any significant reads or ad reads or financial support, I simply feel like we're drowning in debt and can't get ahead of the curve. But I've got the answers to all of our problems, buddy. A way to reach more listeners than just lonely, sad Jewish people and hipsters. A way to make the headlines, just like the Black Lives Matter folks seem to do every day. There's only one way to transform the Movie Blues podcast so that it can take us into new, uncharted levels of popularity. Only one choice we have left to get into the upper echelon of podcasting. Um, And then I was going to scoot my desk chair away. Um, As you see here, I've got um, like an Adidas, uh, like a blue, (laughs) kind of like a hip hop (laughs) Adidas shirt. Um, okay. okay, I got the gold chain, obviously. Oh um, my god. I had the chain. Okay, I, I was gonna do sideways flat brim, kind of like just off like hip hop to the right, side. Right, right. Um, yeah. As I, one does um, when they're trying to generalize <laughs> an entire race of people. <laughs> the funny thing is, and I want, I want our listeners to keep in mind that all the things that I, I just showed Dan are actual clothing items that I own. I know. I was, I was, I was about to mention that and just decided to move past. Um, now, like I said, this morning at 7 a.m., I had this brief moment where I said to Rachel, so I said, you know, can I get a little dark makeup? And she was like, for what? I was like, well, you know, the podcast, I want to do a little gag with Dan. Now, granted, granted, my wife had, my wife saw me watching this movie, right? <laughs> she saw the plot. She saw the entire film, basically, in two minutes. She saw the two most racist minutes of the entire movie. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, 
I come to her four, less than 48 hours later saying, I need dark makeup. Here are the details I gave her. <laughs> it needs to be dark. I need to be able to smudge it on my face and all over my cheeks and then wash it off later. <laughs> to, to which she said, to which sure. She, to which she said, yes, I do have that. <laughs> yeah. And why? Why does she have that? No, I mean, she's like, you can use my eye makeup. Uh oh. I had to. I thought she was like, oh, here's my black face makeup. <laughs> I had to goad it out of her, dude. With all of those evidences, I still had to be like, you know, because I'm going to do a blackface thing. <laughs> of course. Like, it, it was not enough evidence for her. Me literally saying, I need black makeup to smear on my face at 7 a.m. <laughs> I'm, um, just pi- I'm just picturing, like, me having woken up at, like, 10.30 in the morning and you've already been in the mirror for two and a half hours applying Dude, makeup. this was all gonna happen. Like, this was all in the works. Um, so, um, that is when my wife told me that maybe I was making a mistake. Um, <laughs> and I- Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> And I want to be totally clear about a few things, okay? Um, and this story's not even close to done being over. I have to get to yet the best part, the, the climax. Okay. But, like, when an artist is going for something, <laughs> okay? I'm not talking right. about Michael Richards. Here's the Dave Chappelle moment. <laughs> when an artist is going for something and, and the irony is there, the intent is in its right place. There, I, I want to say that there are no rules. Okay, now whoever made the movie that we watched may have thought that they had it. They did not. I may have thought that I had it. Jury's still out on that. I think it would have been pretty funny. Um, and, and and yes, I did have a persona named Darnell DeLions. I was working on his voice all week, kind of driving my truck around. Like, hey, buddy, what's up, Playboy? <laughs> but listen, none of that matters no, because because then no, then, then the scene. Uh, <laughs> you can't do these no, things you don't in think this that climate. This, you don't think that this is the time. All right, so let me take you on my downward spiral after that. So now now we're at like eight nine o'clock. We're getting ready to go to the grocery store. Um, this is around the time that you started sending me texts having yeah. a crisis about the situation. Yeah, I was like, this is potentially not a good move on my part. Um, so, uh, I go to the grocery store. My brain is kind of doing this thing where it compartmentalizes the problem and is like, is this really that bad? My wife asked me, do you have any black listeners? I said, I, I don't know, but you shouldn't ever have to ask yourself that. Um, <laughs> right. As, as, we're, as we're about to spend an hour and a half demolishing a movie for trying to make the exact same point that you're I about to say. I know. I know, but, like, wouldn't it all work out perfectly if, like, you know, the irony in the inception levels of, of um, like, white privilege and disappointment, I think, are are palpable enough that it would have worked in, in a way. Um... Yeah, I, I'm really glad I didn't do it, but, like, I, I'm in the grocery store, I'm looking around, I'm, I'm starting to panic and thinking, like, oh my god, like, this is what everyone always says. They always say, there is no occasion in which blackface <laughs> is ever appropriate. And, like, it doesn't matter how many layers of irony you spread on it, 
um, there's no way that it's appropriate. Now, meanwhile, because that's compartmentalized, I'm walking around the grocery store looking for props. Here's what I find. First, I find... <laughs> Did you go to the grocery store for anything besides props? I'm or were not, you there I'm purely for props? I'm not going to lie. We were supposed to go to Wegmans, but I diverted. <laughs> I diverted to Giant because they have pre-prepared fried chicken there. Oh my god! Um, I found because a, you were hungry, correct? Yeah, this is all because I'm hungry. Um, the okay. first thing I found was a watermelon cake in the bakery section. Um, the worst part about it is that, like, while this is horrible, like it's exactly what happens in the movie. For the by most the way, guys, part. every single prop and every single thing that I've said so far is directly out of the movie. Right. So, like, in a way, the levels of inappropriateness um, really, like, it depends on your flavor. Like, it depends how I would have pulled it off. Obviously, the voice was spot on, but beyond that, I don't know. <laughs> you were walking a tightrope. I was walking a tightrope. Um, and here's where it all changed. Um, you know, I had already texted you, <laughs> you at this point. You asked a black person in the aisle. <laughs> I was pushing my cart, and as I'm thinking in my mind, is it okay to do blackface... I come face to face with a black mom pushing her cart. Her kids are in tow. She's looking upset. She's looking a little bit stressed. I looked this woman in the eyes and was like, nope, I'm not doing that. Nope. Uh, <laughs> this is surely not going to go. Uh, not, no fly zone. 100% So, so really what you're board. saying here is that what it took for you to choose not to do blackface seeing on your Sunday morning was to remember that black people exist in the real world. Just seeing one black person <laughs> shocked me out of my reality that is just making podcasts and lifting bricks in a brickyard. Um, it shook me to my core. I was like, oh, this is like a real problem that people face in their lives um, yeah. where they do blackface and then their life is over and then they spend their whole life saying, why did I do blackface? Right. And so, and, and, and that's coming from like, you work for your father. <laughs> oh, 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 I mean, even, even so, it still would have been absolutely unacceptable. The, the people at your workplace, if they discovered that you, the fucking like shit lib, mm -hmm. like, like anti-Trump person was actually in your free time wearing blackface, that would give them all the ammo they needed. If they knew it was for a bit. A podcast bit. I think they'd yeah. be more lenient. They'd say, "What's a podcast?" As they're eating crayons. <laughs> I'd say, "Let me show you, Playboy." Um, <laughs> fuck me. All right, all right. get one uh, more of those. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> and then you've reached our quota, much like Harvard did in this movie. <clears throat> all right. Um, yeah. So lessons were learned. Uh, bullets were dodged to an extent. Um, I, uh, beyond that, feel pretty sick about having watched this movie. <laughs> and my own behavior, obviously, <laughs> should be uh, looked at. Um, I cannot fathom how you watched this movie and came out of it with the idea that what you should do is wear a black face. It, you watched a 90-minute PSA on how under no circumstances should no. white people do mental gymnastics to justify it. Like, for, there, for, the amount of mental gymnastics that it took to try to justify it in this movie was fucking incredible. His entire justification to do so is that, at the most, one black person from the Los Angeles area goes to Harvard per year, and in turn, they usually also get another offer that they take. So if he didn't wear blackface to claim this money, then the money would just sit there because there wouldn't be any other black people to take it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of many facts. 
<laughs> anyway, people. This is um, right after he yells, this is the 80s. This is the Cosby decade. Um, why don't <laughs> How we, right um, you are, friend. <laughs> why don't we... <laughs> Oh, man, there's so many fake racist ad reads I want to do, but I'm not going to do any of them. Um, why don't we throw it to the trailer for this movie so people can get a real feel for it, and then we are going to go in on the plot and happenings of 1986's Blackface Van Wilder. Yeah. <laughs> Harvard Law School. Yeah! yeah! Tuition and fees. 10000 $493. Harvard Law School. This is a big day for all of us. That's why I've decided to let you pay your own way. Estimated annual living expenses. You ever applied for a loan before? $7,500. Mr. Watson, you don't pay your bills. Get out. Total for three years of law school. Wait a second, look at this. Full tuition for the most qualified applicant. Most qualified black applicant. $53,979. Don't you think you're overreacting? No. Congratulations, Mr. Watson. Thank you, sir. I'll do my best. Some people will do anything to get into Harvard. It's gonna be great! These are the 80s, man! It's the Cosby decade! For Mark Watson, all it took was a little soul. I'd like you to meet my good friend, Kareem Abdul Ali. We got Washington here on the coin toss, so he'll take Leon. That's Watson. Right. Sorry, Marcus. Yeah, there may be a problem here. Your roommate was a, uh... <clears throat> what? A black Negro. A black Negro? You know, there's something really strange about you, and I don't know what it is. Oh, God, is she beautiful? You gotta believe me. You must have learned a great deal more than you bargained for. Don't tell her I'm white. Don't tell her you're white! What's going on? Can we blame him for the color of his skin? Mom, Dad... I'm black. What? what? No, you're crazy. Mark Watson. Come on now! From the producer of Risky Business, Soul Man. He didn't give up. He got down. Got out. You really hate the Beach Boys now? You have to admit, like, I made a good case for it. I just would love a world where you, you, you're in line in front of a black family at the grocery store and <laughs> you're unloading your cart and it's like watermelon cake for fried chicken <laughs> and like six containers of black makeup. <laughs> I'm doing my part. <laughs> you're welcome. Listen, I want to make something totally clear off off the bat here um, uh, that I've been thinking about since the commercial break. Um, I do not support doing blackface. Um, I think that it's maybe the most insensitive thing ever. You just but happened like, to have just made an elaborate plan to do yeah. so and are recording a podcast about a movie based around it. <laughs> That is circumstantial evidence, my dude. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, uh, all right, well, I think I'm ready to move on now. Um, whew, yeah, um, I can't uh, wait to unpack this fucking 
hellscape of a film. <laughs> um, so as, as you can see in or hear in the trailer, um, this is um, basically like blackface Bueller's Day Off. It's sort of like <laughs> in, it's like an '80s John Hughes um, movie in which um, Al Jolts <laughs> Al Jolson stars, and uh, um, and I want to say that I went into this movie um, wanting to potentially defend it, not as a let's wear blackface thing, but as a this movie was actually ironic, this movie right. was actually intellectual, they were doing more than people gave it credit for, there's a lot of good commentary <laughs> here. Um, no, this is a movie in which the yeah. commentary, uh, the meta-commentary is every bit as racist as, exactly, as exactly. the concepts they are trying to tackle. Um, I wanted to touch upon this because I, I, I was realizing that that just doing the podcast has significantly changed the way I watch films in general. Right. Because I was sitting there approaching it being like, I realized like three quarters of the way through that I was approaching it looking for things to defend because it's just a more entertaining episode when, you know, we could we could watch Biodome and shit on it all day and everyone would be like, yeah, of course. Like, anyone who's doing a movie podcast and watching Biodome's gonna shit on it. Except for me, by the way. I love Biodome. It's oh just my a god, this example. is just one of your workarounds to talk about how great Biodome is. Yes. Anyway, I, I was just like, man, like, there's always the goal and the hope that you're actually going to find some kernel of brilliance within a film to be uncovered, and that creates the really interesting discussing discussion. Dis Freudian slip in regards to watching this film. I could, dude, I tried so hard. <laughs> I could Every not. time they would make a poignant piece of commentary, like either five minutes after or five minutes prior, would they say something so horribly racist that completely undermines them? It's like all of those things were added in post. Because the movie was so racist. <laughs> this movie really was one step forward, a thousand steps backwards. Yes, that regularly. was that was like the vibe. It they would be like, like it, it's like it's like that eighties, nineties liberal race. Like I'm not racist. Pe like pe like pl like uh, just total like minimizing racism where right. they they they're act they're like presenting woke topics while completely just condescending towards like black people as a whole. Right. Um. You know, I, the shame of it is, like, let's discuss, like, the first 17 minutes of the movie, which is... Starting as, with the, as starting long with as the intro takes. credits. Yeah, as the, long as the it takes for him The intro credits alone to, are racist. The, the, uh, the switching of him into blackface is so fast into it. Into an hour and 45 minute movie, them doing it in less than 20 minutes was deeply jarring. But I think that the film, before pre-blackface had some potentially interesting elements to it. Um, right, same. It, it was kind of filmed pleasantly. It had a really nice, like, 80s, I would say Ferris Bueller is a good way to go vibe of just, like, you know, kind of, like, um, white privilege. Like, but smarmy, fucking quick-wicked like clever it's like kind of like, like the less than zero characters they're yeah, like yeah yeah totally they're like they're, they're like, like 80s scumbags smart wasp pre yuppies maybe almost some of them yeah because right. they're becoming lawyers yeah it's so truly they're, it's they're the true embodiment of the reagan era yes this movie had many many things that were related to ronald reagan including an actor named ron reagan yeah Did that's you his see son no 
Yeah. Ronald Reagan's son. son? Yes. Was in this movie. You mentioned that you didn't do the research because you were doing your blackface bit yeah, in your head. Yeah. I did the research. Okay, so who is his son in the movie? Um, he is um, Julia Louis Dreyfus's friend. That is that 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 man that is with her walking around. Is Ronald Reagan's son? Yes. Hold on, let me check and see if that's right. Yeah, that him. Yeah, that him. I've done seen him. So, right, so cool, just yeah. while while Dan's looking that up, just to set up <laughs> the, the, basically what's going on, and because because I wrote pretty quickly, the tragedy the tragedy here is that this is immediately starting off as a well written comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Though I guess that's probably not really the tragedy. No. Um, but dude, it's like so you have these two schmucks that get into Harvard Law right in the front end, and they're sitting there under a table at a party, smoking a joint, like picturing all their grand grandiose plans that they're going to do with their Harvard Law degrees, and basically. Basically, the, the, the culmination of why the, him and his best friend are going to Harvard Law is that they want to purposefully form corporations just to then illegally merge them so that they can then be paid to become the legal defense of the companies when they're sued by the government. And this is presented as like a good idea in this like Reagan-esque capitalist hellscape of an era. <laughs> And also, tuition for Harvard was only ten grand a year. I discovered at the time, which is less than I paid for the fucking college of New Jersey. They mentioned that. That's the basic premise: is he can't build up ten grand a year to go to Harvard Law. (laughs) So he must become black. Did did you know? Did you notice anything? I'm black. Did you notice anything about the uh, the intro? The intro credits? Uh, no. So the intro credits, first off, it starts with the New World Pictures logo, which I haven't seen in a long time, and what a fucking terrifying logo. How did that make it through focus groups? Um, if you guys don't remember the New World Pictures logo, it's basically that, um, you know, the AT&T, like, blue circle with all its, its segmented into lines. It's that, but red, with really, like, n- like harsh New World Order-type font around it. And then it immediately goes into some, like, like generic, like, like... Uh, honky tonk, fucking black soul music, like really, sh- like really whiteified soul music. But every, it's just a black, a black background. It's listing all the actors, some of which include Julia Louise Dreyfus and uh, James Earl Jones. But every, all of the font, it's all in white font. But each name has a singular black letter in it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you seem pretty upset by the beginning font. I, I, I didn't notice anything myself, but um, and and for the first twenty minutes, I felt like relatively at ease. Um, I thought that things were heading in a semi-positive direction. I almost forgot that we were heading towards him being black. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, just like <laughs> then one scene, <laughs> one scene he's white, and then there's no like Mrs. Doubtfire, him trying on like personas or hair or you know. Uh, no, skin tones he, sol- he solves the problem right away. He goes from <laughs> white to black, six to fucking midnight, immediate drop into blackness. And like we, it, it's like you literally are looking at him in one scene and they smash cut to him being black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he, um, I guess we should talk about his, just the way he looks in this uh, outfit. Um, I want to say somewhere in some boardroom at some time, Somebody, thank God for them too, is like, listen, you can't do anything to the nose. You, <laughs> you cannot 
do anything with with prosthetics to his face. It's got to be just hair and slightly darker. Um, which like which like wh- why at that point why not go all the way? He already has a jerry curled wig on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Uh, just like any good science fiction film, I was looking for um, threads of evidence to the mythology. Um, in terms of his like transformation into a black man, he only says that he uh, is like overdosing on tanning pills. That yes. was his explanation to the color of his skin, which A, is chilling. You would not want to keep up that <laughs> regimen under any circumstance whatsoever. Um, and... B, he's, like, not even black. He's just, like, extremely bronze to the point of almost being green. He looks, like, very sickly. Um, Right now, I'm watching a show on MTV called Double Shot at Love. Um, It's a show in which uh, DJ Pauly Delvecchio and uh, Vinny from the Jersey Shore have a bunch of women in a condo in in L.A. that um, they basically prey upon and gaslight into loving them. And... um, these women are all like guidettes that they handpicked from the Jersey Shore. <laughs> Shout out Italy. Um, and these people wear like literally so much makeup that their skin is like this bronze, oh, like yeah. plasticized shell yeah. that looks You're like you could about my, These are my people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You just slap that on a white guy, put a jerry curl on his head. And you've pretty much got the full image. He doesn't change his voice, which I want to say also, they came in and were like, you know, like, yeah, he came you in You know for, in, in the first screen test, he was definitely changing his voice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know his audition. He showed up and was like, what's up, player? <laughs> Walked in and was like, what's up, what's up, what's up? And had, like, chains jangling everywhere. <laughs> he was like, he was like literally a minstrel show the first time. He had, like, big watermelon lips and a chain dangling. He was like, anybody got some seeds I can snack on? It's hot out here. Dude, you need to... All right, that was the last one. (laughs) Um, And then they were like, yeah, you have to walk that back, like, a hundred (laughs) miles. And he was like, so you just want me to be myself then, but you're just going to paint me black and put a jerry curl on, which, by the way, Shout out to all my brothers and sisters here. I'm pretty sure black hair is extremely difficult to maintain. And I, I while they explain that he OD'd on tanning pills to become black, they never explain where his hair comes from. Right. They never explain anything about, like, even if it were a wig, I'm pretty sure that wigs have to be maintained, curled, stuff like that, because they also fall out of whack. Um, Here's the thing, though, and we're coming up against a point that I I think really bothers me the most about this movie. Not the most. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. You're not supposed to say that. It's definitely the blackface that bothers me the most. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Wheel it back. Um, uh, the thing that bothers me the most about this movie, besides blackface, which is egregious and a crime against comedy and cancel culture, um is that when he arrives at college, he maintains being African-American. That... I mean, what else is he going to do? He did, like... just He's there like, under a scholarship. Yeah, but... He has like, oversight. Yeah, but from who? From fucking... I, I don't know. Okay, so you go into college on day one, you go to your meeting, you're black, you're black, you're black, and then that's it. You don't need to keep it up for a semester. 
This didn't I bother mean, you. you? Would, you would think you would think that perf- the professors would be like. Why would the professors know he was black and got a black scholarship? Why would anyone need to know that after day one? Mm, that's an interesting point. Like the fact that he keeps up being black, and this is. By the way, not mentioning all the sick and twisted things he does as a black person oh, while yeah. black. Oh, yeah. He doesn't just keep it up in I'm the not, sense I'm gonna, that... I'm going to touch upon <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't just, like, um, you know, act normal and black. He acts yeah. completely insane yeah. and black in his blackness. Let's, um, uh, let's, let's hold off on that. Until yeah, he's got <laughs> many different looks that, that we should go through. Um, which all were so, so very offensive. Um, I think that this touches on an interesting point, which is if you're going to make this movie where you're going to try to be like ironic about blackface and stuff like that, they went, I would say, to the absolute lengths to fuck up their good faith on that, that you could possibly go in this format. Like, they did it as in poor taste by accident as you could possibly do it, and I think that's why this movie's so blessed. Like, it's... It's so, it is, I would say, maybe one of the most wrong-headed things I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. And I, I kind of live for when someone is, like, um, making, like, a wrong-headed decision or film or piece of art. It's just the best. I mean, like, it's just so... It's yeah, just, when it's done in earnest, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, they really thought, and you can tell from the, the music choices and the plotting choices in terms of how they reward him by the end of this film for all of his fucking unbelievably egregious, like, race crimes in what he's done. They literally let him off, like, more than they let off these little white rapists and school shooters. They literally, like, pad his fucking butt with baby powder and blow him and suck his cock and send him to college. It's absurd. Yes. Um, should, uh, should, should I should I give my my little my my spiel? You got a spiel, my brother? Yeah, my uh, my 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 uh, my taglines of the film. Lay it on me, player. So so basically, I, I want to set this up. Was throughout this, I realized I was do I was making little jokes in my notes of uh, you know when a movie before a movie gets made when it's in its infantile stage, people go to a pitch meeting. And they say, G- give me give me the one line, which is basically, give me, like, one sentence that sums up what this movie is about. You know, when, when you click on a Netflix movie and it has that little synopsis that is super vague and broad and usually doesn't really cover the entirety of what the film's about. Um, I, I, I thought I, I just naturally started making observations of the film and seeing, trying to imagine how they possibly ever could have been pitched to another fucking adult person. <laughs> So I wanted to present that, also, but first... You're, you're talking to an adult who almost did blackface one hour ago. Right, exactly. So, sure. But what I wanted to preface that with was <laughs> this movie was panned at the time. It is constantly used as an example of one of the biggest missteps steps in film history. Um, so what I found, I wanted to see, I did some research to see like how many people involved with the film had since apologized. Can I ask you something really quick before it escapes yeah. my mind? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, it's fine. Like... Here's the other thing about me doing blackface, though. That, that <laughs> <laughs> okay? Now, now, uh, keep this in mind. This is, like, a really important question. If you do blackface and no one is around to see it, is it racist? <laughs> yes. Like... <laughs> because at that point, you're purely doing it to make yourself happy, which is a whole other thing to unpack. <laughs> 
It's bad. Like, it's all, we've already established it's bad to use as entertainment for others. <laughs> like you're just sitting around at home watching The Mandalorian. Like this. I like wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, Tuesday. I'm thinking I'm black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's like when women do their nails. Rachel's like you're, gone. you're choosing what color oh, you're that? gonna. Rachel's put on going your... on a hiking trip. A trip with her girlfriends. Oh, I'm gonna black up this weekend. <laughs> yeah, just really, really relax. I'm gonna black up. I'm gonna head on Xbox Live. I'm gonna fucking pull my dick out and paint that black too. <laughs> well, you would have to if you wanted to get fully in character, since you would imagine from the pills he was he was full black balls, everything. Oh, word! July fourth. Um, I'm thinking. I'm yeah. Black. So, so see Thomas Howell, the uh, the star of this blessed film. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see what his what his current views of it. You'd figure naturally in the current climate. Yeah, thank you for doing um, all of this, like, very obvious research that we need for this episode because we didn't do any of it. Like, we, yeah. we needed some sort of reflection upon it. Okay. So, but, then, but then don't forget where you were at with your uh, tagline stuff. You yeah, know, no, of course. Okay. Um, th- this is the preface to that. Okay. So um, here, here's... Here's a... Uh, Star of Blackface here, Man. Yeah, see Thomas Howell. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Like... Like today, basically, like okay. two years ago. Two years ago, a white man donning blackface is taboo. Conversation over. You just can't win. But our intentions were pure. We wanted to make a funny movie that had a message about racism. I'm shocked at tr- how truly harmless that movie is, and how the anti-racial message involved in it is so prevalent. This is not a movie about blackface. This is not a movie that should be considered irresponsible on any level. It's very funny. It made me much more aware of the issues we face on a day-to-day basis, and it made me much more sensitive to racism. It's an innocent movie. It's got innocent messages, and it's got some very, very deep messages. And I think the people that haven't seen it, the judges are horribly wrong. I think that's more offensive than anything with the film. Judging something you haven't seen is the worst thing you can really do. Oh my in fact, fucking God. In fact, Soul Man sort of represents that all the way through. I think it's really just an innocent movie with a very powerful message and it's an important part of my life. I'm proud of the performance. I'm proud Get of the people. It, the I am proud of the people that were here. in it. A lot of people ask me today, could that really be made today? And I say, Robert Downey Jr. just did it in Tropic Thunder. The difference is that he was just playing a character in Tropic Thunder, and there was no magnifying glass on racism, which is so prevalent in our country, and I guess that's what makes people more uncomfortable about Soul Man, but I think it's an important movie. I want to say to anyone listening to this podcast right now, that is the most fundamentally fucking incorrect series of statements I've ever heard about a piece of art. Right, okay. This movie was the worst, and I am not even, Dan can attest to this, I am not even the most liberal or SJW person. I'm on the lower end of the spectrum in terms of liberal, like, race. And I swear to God, this movie offended me so greatly. I mean, like, it is literally packed to the brim with awful, awful decisions, horrible stereotypes, terrible meta-commentary that is absolutely inappropriate, that is obviously written by... A league of white people. It is right. a travesty. So, uh, it is a travesty. So, so keep in mind that that is his current 
Um, wow. At least what he's purporting to be analysis of the movie. And now, keeping that in mind, I'm wow. gonna I'm gonna lay out through a series of one line pitches what actually happens in this film. Um, I have a I have wow. a music request, Dan, for you to have underlying for this segment. Like a tra- um, trap remix of no, black, black or white Michael Jackson. So there's a there's a mathcore band called Botch that has a track named C. Thomas Howell as the Soul Man. Ugh, yikes. Alright guys, here's whatever that is. Alright, 1986's Soul Man, a star-studded comedy in which, at the risk of losing out on an elite opportunity to potentially violate antitrust laws, a prototypical 80s Reaganite wet dream proves there not to be a single actual black person in the entire city of Los Angeles who can achieve a scholarship over a white sociopath in blackface. (laughs) Soul Man, in which American treasure Leslie Nielsen nefariously looks for excuses to evict a tenant purely because he's black. Oh, and also that tenant is in blackface. Soul Man, (laughs) in which a heretofore exceptionally successful student takes on what he perceives to be black identity and in turn immediately regresses into a Dennis the Menace slash Bender from Breakfast Club hybrid intent on alienating everyone around him through flagrant social deviance. It's like Goosebumps the Haunted Mask, but if the mask is blackface. (laughs) 1986 nice. Soul Man, in which gym class exists at Harvard, and several white students intensely argue over who gets the black kid on their basketball team, despite him assuring them he's terrible while wearing blackface. <laughs> Soul Man, in which the song Soul Man is played no less than three times. Soul Man, in which a class full of white kids, one of whom is in, of course, blackface, are bewildered to find that an actually black student who got into Harvard Law on her own merits can cite a legal precedent in a law class. 1986's Soul Man, in which Tommy Chong's daughter and James Earl Jones are both Harvard-grade lawyers who can't tell that C. Thomas Howell is just a white man in blackface. (laughs) Soul Man, in which Julia Louis-Dreyfus can't recognize a friend she's had for years as long as he does a retarded Ray Charles impression while in blackface. (laughs) 1986's Soul Man, in which Jan from The Office fucks a kid in blackface in order to feel, quote, 400 years of oppression in every pelvic thrust, unquote. That happened. Soul Man. That was a scene out of Soul Man. (laughs) Soul Man, in which the only African-American person in the entire film who can tell that Mark is just a white kid in blackface is Leslie Nielsen's house servant. Soul Man, remember that. <laughs> in which Leslie Nielsen's child can't see the difference between a kid in blackface and legendary rock musician Prince. Ugh. 1986's Soul Man, in which a scene is edited such to clearly lead James Earl Jones' deep scraggly voice into Louis Armstrong's, who shortly thereafter sings the line, I'm white inside. <laughs> 1986. Yeah, there was a lot of that shit. There was a lot of songs with really. Like, like, truly, uh, incredibly racist lyrics, and it really upset me. Um, oh, God, wait, there was a really good one. I can't even find it. God damn it. Alright, then I'm gonna move on. Alright, All right. um... We'll, we'll oh, touch oh, it later. You oh, got it. Yeah, there's this song at one point. While he's walking around sad and blackface, <laughs> and, and the lyric is "the only sin is in my skin." Oh my god! Over a montage of white people mistreating him. Oh my god! <laughs> so, uh, so by the way, the movie that the main actor from this film said 
was like a, a fucking touching, like beautiful introspection on racism. Had a scene where a man in blackface was being mistreated by white people over the lyrics, the only sin is in my skin. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. There were so many sins by that point. All right, go ahead, buddy. All right, we're in the home stretch. 1986 is Soul Jesus Man, Christ. in which the only two black kids in class sit next to each other, but one of them's actually in blackface. <laughs> Soul Man, in which a white kid in blackface still somehow has white savior complex. 1986's Soul Man, in which the only black girl in class can't pass without the help of a white kid in blackface, but realistically she wouldn't need it at all if said blackfaced white kid didn't swindle the scholarship she likely would have qualified for. Very true. And then in parentheses I have side note, I wrote this before this ended up being the actual plot of the film. That's a lot of synopsises. 1986's Soul Man, <laughs> in which a white kid's parents don't recognize their own son just because he's speaking exaggerated jive in blackface. Soul Man, in which the protagonist's big redemption scene is underscored by the general argument that he's merely a blameless victim of society's deteriorating moral fabric. Soul Man, in which the portrayal of the police is accurate. Soul Man, in which a white kid's favorite band is the Beach Boys until he starts regularly wearing blackface, after which he only likes their funkier stuff. 1986's Soul Man, in which C. Thomas Howell looks strikingly like a sober Casey Affleck, wears blackface, defrauds a historic institution, embarrasses an established law professor, ruins the life of the girl he falls in love with, and is forgiven for his transgressions literally immediately. Um. Thank you. You're... <laughs> I feel like you just gave away the plot of the movie, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Was was that was that just all of your notes that you wrote, but with 1986's Soul Man in front of it? Um, in which, yeah, Soul Man, in which. <laughs> I just copied that about a thousand times and just added things after. <laughs> um, I guess I could do the same thing with my notes. Soul Man. Where a white person dresses like a black panther to go to a black law association group. Soul Man. Where two grown Harvard students fight over which intramural basketball team gets to have a black dude on it who's actually in blackface. Soul Man. In which... The white dude in blackface then goes to high-five his teammate, and they cut before their hands touch. Intentional? Question mark? <laughs> See, it's all funnier if you frame it as a pitch for the movie. 1986's Soul Man, where I never, ever want to hear the song Soul Man ever again. <laughs> oh, man. Soul Man, in which jo Julia Louis-Dreyfus is an absolute, positively serious babe. Soul Man, in which blackface Mark, <laughs> in which they called me in college, in which blackface Mark fucks a white chick who then says that he has a small dick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that scene was harrowing. That's the same scene where she said she felt four hundred years of oppression in every thrust. I, and then, like, I couldn't even tell in this movie what was racist and what was not at certain points. I assumed everything was, but like, for example, did you catch the name of his scholarship? It was the yeah. It was no. It, it was some dude's name, and then something. Some dude's name, but the tagline was quote best black African from Los Angeles. Oh yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were. That's not the a scholarship. They had Come to. Uh, they had to differentiate that they didn't meet in apartheid South Africa. 
a black African, which, like, yeah. how did they make that determination for him? I'm not sure. <laughs> right. He just, like, took a picture of his newly tanned skin. It was like, I'm good. <laughs> um... Let's let's get it over with and talk about one of the most upsetting scenes in this movie. Um, this scene sent white people back quite a few generations, for sure. We're, white uh, people? <laughs> yeah, like, we're... <laughs> I don't feel set back a few generations. <laughs> like, in terms of, like, watching... You know how when you watch, like, conservatives meme... It's like watching a white person just, like, totally miss the point of something and faceplant straight down. Right. Like, the living embodiment of that was a scene in which Blackface Mark goes to dinner with his white girlfriend and meets um, her family. Um, So they're all giving him really strange looks because he's black. Uh, It's the 80s, so I guess there's still, like, a look who's coming to the dinners type of vibe going on um and during this scene you get to see which what each member of the family kinda is thinking in their head as they look at Blackface Mark um (laughs) their visions of what they see when they see him are fucking harrowing and the thing is yeah horrible if it's never okay to do blackface which we've determined in multiple levels is not okay once again. Then it surely is not okay to use blackface to then do ironic cartoon versions of black people as if you have a pass for that. If you're making a movie with real black people made by people of color and you want to make a joke about, oh, a guy's eating watermelon and yelling at his pregnant wife like that she's doing heroin or something, um... That might be passable. It's not a great look, but like it's it's something <laughs> it's something like you know Dave Chappelle could probably pull off right. or like a good black comic p- right. could p- pull off. I don't want to see like Steve Harvey doing it. You know, it's like <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, they go around the table. Um, the kid who's at the table, as you alluded to in your tag meltdown, was. Um, like fantasizing that he was Prince because he was watching a little TV where Prince was on TV. So he's fantasizing that he's Prince. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of that, a, that a, was the second that was the second one. I was though. like, that's a semi innocuous fantasy yeah, to have in the, this movie. Um, the all the other the fantasies <laughs> were unbelievable. Do you want to describe what his other fantasies were? Yeah, yeah. So um, his wife, um, his wife is fantasizing. That Mark is a like, wild jungle ang- jungle animal, like uh, just like a sex beast. It's just like, yeah, it's it's like a caveman. Um, Leslie Nielsen. Is oh, he literally pick- like has a knife in his mouth. He's like booga 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 booga. Yeah, it's right, absurd. It's right. completely absurd. Leslie Nielsen <laughs> is picturing him as fully decked out in pimp hair. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite one. Having impregnated his daughter and like <laughs> slapping her around and shit. He's like, like give her some more heroin, bitch. Yeah, right. Um, and. Uh, yeah, that was unbelievable. I mean, I was, like, shocked down to my very core when I saw that. Um, was that all the fantasies? Yeah. The the one, the jungle vibe one, uh, like, as soon as, like, the jungle music started, I got, like, chills, full body chills all up and down. Like, just cringe, like, morbid cringe thinking about a white actor even ironically doing those things like I couldn't even ironically wear a sideways hat which is something I already pretty much do um 
without having a full-blown meltdown. I don't know how a human being <laughs> got as far as they got for him literally to be dressed like a pimp with a white pregnant girlfriend going like, give me my bag, bitch. Like sla <laughs> slapping her around. And he was chewing not only a humongous piece of watermelon, but it was down to the oh, rind. Right. It was yeah, down to the it was rind. Just, like, like, like he couldn't like he had physically eaten. get enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like he had eaten it down to the absolute rind. It was like spitting seeds and screaming at this woman. And like, I that's why that's why I said like that racist wouldn't even like this movie. Like black people like wouldn't even make that joke themselves. It's so just generally tasteless. Um, right. So yeah, um, fuck you, C. Thomas Howell. You fucking <laughs> dick. Um, uh, any other uh, scenes in this movie that offended you? I mean, like, th there are things that I definitely mean, the entire film me. is just terribly offensive. <laughs> um, uh, as Dan alluded to, you find out in this movie that not only is he in the school on a scholarship, um, but, um, why are you typing so much? I feel like you're like, you're like the court stenographer right now. Don't worry about it. Are you answering your fucking emails? I mean, this shows up on mic. Like, listen to this. Listen to this. So loud, I bet. I bet you, I bet you can hear it so loud. I was trying to do it. I was trying to do it quietly. You I'm never sorry. do it quietly. I have to edit it out. It's all this tapping. Tap, tapping. Stop it. Okay. Um... I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I forgot. I forgot. To, I forgot to do my six degrees of book of Henry thing. I've been doing it. Oh, you son of a bitch! Um, so there's a. Don't worry, I got it. <laughs> there is a um, like. Here's an example, by the way, of like how this movie is ridiculous too. Is like, you have a scene in which they're trying to make a point about people saying racist things in public and like a black person hearing it. So like he's sitting there in black voice in blackface in the cafeteria at one point and two white dudes like sit down and start telling a joke to one another yes and the joke was essentially like why did the negro wear a tux to his vasectomy and oh my god and dude. he was like if i'm gonna be impotent i'm gonna look impotent impotent <laughs> Yeah, and, and like, these two these characters come they come in and out of the movie regularly, and their entire like, role yeah, they're is like the to like racist, be saying racist jokes near near Mark. They're like the racist bulk and skull of exactly, of this movie. exactly. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that joke like it's just an example of like you're trying to make a point about this kind of thing, but at the same time, you thought of a really racist joke. Like, right, exactly. Probably no one had ever told that joke. Probably a white Jewish dude sat down and was like, this'll be hilarious, and wrote it into a script. It's yeah, what were some of the other jokes? One so of, embarrassing. One, one of them was... Uh, one, one of them was something about, like, black dudes having giant dicks. I don't know. For sure. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Um, there's... All, all the stuff that they're, like... They end up getting their due when C. Thomas Howell starts fully identifying as a black man and, like, actually takes it personally and, like, beats the shit out of them for offending his people. Um... So, dude... Oh, my God. We still have so much to talk about with this movie. There's so much. So... 
so many offensive things that need to be like literally highlighted because it's like important to society that we just like make sure everyone knows how terrible this was. Keeping in mind C. Thomas Howell's current in- interpretation of this film. Um, there's a <laughs> scene or set of scenes in which we see a sitcom trope. Um, there's a old timey sitcom trope where a character is kind of dating two girls at once and is like happens to be at a restaurant or in a situation where they have to be ducking from one room to the other, changing into an outfit, changing into another outfit, ducking in one room to the other. Um, that's a classic sitcom trope. Usually it takes place between like two different girls and like the guy main character or vice versa. Um, this movie like quadrupled down on that and had a scene uh, in which a character, um, Blackface Mark, is dodging back and forth between rooms. But this time, instead of seeing two women at once, like in a sitcom, it's a naked girl in one room, his parents in another, where he <laughs> yeah, needs to right. wear a ski mask so they don't see that he's black. <laughs> and his black girlfriend in another room who can't see his white parents. Yeah, they treat it like a real farce. It's a it's a real it's a real farce. He's literally like running back and forth between like six different people, putting on. First of all, his parents show up to college, surprise him. He's still blackface Mark, so he puts on a ski mask. And, right. and tries to convince them, what, that... That he's sick. Th- that it's cold in the apartment yeah. and that he's sick. So he's wearing a full robbery ski mask. Then he's got his white girlfriend naked listening to records in one room. And he has his new black girlfriend in his other room who's supposed to be studying with him. And he's literally running back and forth between all these situations. It was right. uh, one of several hilarious minstrel shows this movie pulled off. Yeah, yeah it was absurd. Um... What did you think about uh, James Earl Jones' performance in this movie? Dude, I was... I, I, I don't know what to make of James Earl Jones' performance because, you know, at first I was just like, how the fuck did he allow himself to be in this film? Then as it goes on with the things that he's saying and the scenes that he's in, you realize that he really he really was sold on this being a film of like critical racial commentary. Like he thought this was gonna be a poignant picture. Cause his character is basically there to to verbalize the underlying issues going on and, you know, convey all these things to Mark about how he's gonna you know, it seems at first like he's being a real hard ass on him, but then you find out he's being a hard ass on him to like convey to him that he as a black man is gonna have to work twice as hard, um, to to keep up with uh what he refers to his other students as these white little shits. Um and he, you know, he's. I, I, I don't quite see him as a spiritual Negro character. He's more of like a, uh, a very, very grounded, concrete Negro character. I'd say for the purpose of this podcast, we could ship it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, he. His performance was just. Some of the choices I just found so interesting where he's basically playing it like a fucking. <laughs> like a sci fi villain at moments. <laughs> like the, the, the eyes that he's giving to the students are yes, just yeah. truly chilling. He's like being a 10 out of 10 in intensity towards his students. Yeah, in this, um, in this absurd comedic He's like, you will study show. the law or you will die. Yeah. He's like, Mr. Mark. I don't remember Mark's last name in the film, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, Is that your James Earl Jones? Please yeah. continue. Yeah, he's like, Mr. Mark, c- can you cite this <laughs> random legal precedent from 1943? 
And Mark's just like, no, dog. And he's just like, get out of my fucking classroom. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, it, it's like a stand and deliver type thing. It belongs in a totally different movie. Yeah, there were shades of stand and deliver. Um, it was very like, there was a scene in which like blackface Mark gets pulled over by the cops and mistreated and like given like what like a DUI or what was it like? No, it's it, he got he got like a, a disorderly conduct for not having his he got arrested for not having his license on him. And, and I he, love how a trained police officer processed him fully without realizing that he was a right. white person in blackface. I mean, did you ever see driver's license and IDs in the 80s? They're literally just like slivers of like construction paper. It's absurd. <laughs> There's like, they, sure they didn't bother to put anyone's race on them. Um, uh, I think um, this kind of brings me to what I think is the most racist element of this film. Um, I don't know whether you can resonate with this or not. The lack of Latinos. Um, <laughs> the fact that there was one Italian guy who was the landlord. Um, <laughs> the thing that I think was the most racist, awful, chilling, goosebump-inducing element to this movie is that, like, there is a point at which Blackface Mark starts feeling as if he is internally black. Right. <laughs> and he's, that, doing, he's got a real split personality thing going on. That shift is seriously paralyzing to me. Um, there are scenes like you had in your rant where like uh, he's asked about his favorite musical choices like does he like the Beach Boys and he says he no longer likes the Beach Boys only their funkier stuff. The fact that he is internalizing his interests, his sympathies towards being black by completely misappropriating their culture. Right. And it's purely superficial. <laughs> pretty much raping their possibilities in terms of stealing a scholarship, as the movie tells us, out of the hands of a single mother who is black. The fact that he is not only internalizing his blackness in a positive way, but the film and its score and its plotting rewards him for that internalization is by far the most racist yeah. thing in this J movie. James Earl Jones' forgiveness of him at the end after being such a hard-ass and so, like, acutely aware of racial dynamics, basically all it takes is see Thomas Howell coming in and being like, I'm sorry, I'm going to donate money to a black to find to find a uh, found a black scholarship on my own. Can we can we cue like, it up though, James Dan? James Jones is like what? Can we cue it up though, Dan? Because like his reparations, if you want to call them, are a result of the fact that as his persona as blackface Mark crumbles and everyone finds out that he's white, they literally put him on a trial of which we could probably do an entire podcast just on the trial scene that Harvard allows a man who did blackface for a full semester of college <laughs> to have a fair and even lawyer appointed represented trial of any kind of reasoning or logic whatsoever is completely completely insane. They yeah. put him on trial for it, and he is not expelled from school, which would be far easier than any trial, and surely what would actually happen. Um, Particularly because James Earl Jones had always given, already given a speech about how he oversees the committee that allows him to just expel people. But yeah, they, they pretty much, like, 
make James Earl Jones seem so scary. He's like, I am the head of the committee that decides whether or not people do blackface at all. Um, and he's like, you like you happen to be represented by the one teacher who hates blackface the most. <laughs> And is directly from Africa. Do you notice he had like an African yeah. accent thing going on? Yeah. He was like, I'm literally the blackest person they could have appointed in this situation. Yeah. And then Blackface Mark comes in, his lawyer gives a spiel, and he's like, oh, you know, I'll help the black community, I'll do this, this, and that. And James Earl Jones, who is the most terrifying character of the entire movie, they pan to him, and he's like, that all seems very reasonable, Mark. Good job. Fantastic yeah. presentation. He's like, and that's seems like, like, seems like you've learned a lot. Dude, that is the end of the movie. And, like, you can see James Earl Jones, like, the pain in his body after commit after committing this, like... And, and, and here's the thing, Dan. I think that's why he's so angry throughout all this movie towards Mark. Because even when he doesn't know that Mark is in blackface, he's still absolutely furious at him in every scene. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and I think that James Earl Jones is like, okay, we're making good points here, but, like, at the end of this movie, I have to literally be like, yes, thank you for your contribution to the community, Mark. We made a huge mistake <laughs> by putting yeah. you on uh, trial. Ultimately, the message is that blackface is fine as long as white liberals then donate money to, to charities exactly. that they're not going to have anything exactly. to do with. And for that reason, I'd like to announce that the Movie Blues podcast is donating $10 to the Black Lives Matter movement. I just did it over PayPal. Um, it was a link I saw on Facebook. Hopefully that went to the right people. And uh, we're excused as well now. James Earl, <laughs> James Earl Jones would be like, good job, Movie Blues <laughs> podcast. You didn't black up today. And that yeah. is huge progress for James you and Earl your Jones community. James Earl Jones' reasoning for forgiving him is basically like, he's like, well, you've gotten to experience what it's like to be a black man. And he's just like, he's like, Professor, once I realized it was terrible, I was able to change back. <laughs> It's not the same. And he's like, oh, you have learned. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the movie, like, James Earl Jones takes Blackface Mark up on the roof and, like, he motions outwards. He's like, Blackface Mark, all of this campus before you can be yours. You must simply donate 10% of your winnings as a lawyer to the black community yeah, right, from right. here on out. U ultimately, the whole issue at the end is like, he's only, and Mark presents it as like, he's only going to do this as long as they let him stay at Harvard to get his law degree. 100%, dude. <laughs> And not only so then that's not the real ending because the he's real like, ending is then he's whole, still he's like this whole blackface thing was okay as long as you maintain a 3.0 and give a hundred dollars to Waffle House every weekend. It was dude, so dude it was it was insane. They literally were just like congratulations, you learned a lesson internally about race. Yeah, well that's more doing, than can be expected from any white person in, in doing the most racist thing imaginable. Yeah. You had a modicum of understanding. You're off the hook. Go back to school. You must maintain a 3.5. Yeah, and then he goes to Or else you are racist and will so, leave. So then he goes to um to uh Tommy Chong's daughter, which is his color his uh his African American love interest. Wow, nice. That's a good that should go like in the theme song, I think. This is <laughs> this is theme song material. Um, yes, yeah, cut that. Um, and and then um, Here, I'm gonna clap so I know when to put this in the theme song. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so keep in mind that the the premise thus far is that Mark wears blackface, 
um, steals two days before Harvard is about to start is awarded the scholarship that this woman, this single mother, was supposed to get. They take it from her, give it to him, um, who, by the way, that also implies that the white sociopath was, like, more worthy of it than her. So completely ruins her life, um, fucks her multiple times under the guise of him being, like, a black radical. Yes. Gets revealed to be a white student in blackface, um, comes out, Goes to talk to her after getting James Earl Jones' blessing, his 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 blackface blessing, <laughs> and goes to her and she's like, "No, fuck you! You you literally ruined my life by doing the most racist thing ever." And he's like, "Yeah, but I learned a lesson." And she was like, "Oh!" And then they hold hands and walk off into the sunset. Uh, yeah. There's like this whole like the meet cute uh, interchange that happens between them about getting back together is like originally when he reveals that he's white to her, he says, "Are you okay with interracial relationships?" Oh my god, it's the most fucking manipulative then, thing I've ever seen. And then seen. that is the it's final so line fun. that that's gets her how back he, at That's the how end. he gaslights her at the end. Yeah. Earlier, earlier, he's like, he's you like, said you were yeah. okay with interracial relationships. Right. And she's like, I... Yeah, he asked her as a bla- as blackface Mark if she was okay with interracial relationships, and she's like, sure. And then after he reveals that he's white, he's like, ah, gotcha. You said it was fine. Oh, God, Dan. What is your Golden Gun rating for... 1986's Soul Dan. Um, I give this movie a one out of ten. Me too. Because it's still better than Yoga Hosers. I gave it a one out of ten just for young Ju- Julia Louis Dreyfus. Nice. Cause hell yeah, she's out there getting it in this movie straight yeah. up. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so that uh, brings its combined score to a two, and uh, that will not be winning any awards um, for uh, this uh, round of Movie Blues Podcast Season 2, which is just rolling on infinitely. Rolling on, yeah. tumbling on like the wind. Um, rolling, 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 rolling. We have one more segment today. I'm going to take a little break first, if that's cool with you. Just refill my drink and uh, let this save, and uh, we'll be back to do a little Six Degrees of Book of Henry. All right. And maybe some other stuff. I don't know. I'm bored. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm not going to say baby yet. <laughs> What's up, player? What's up? <sighs> ready for some six degrees of the book of henry our segment in which we link any movie that we are currently doing on the podcast to the seminal film book of henry from director colin trevorrow starring jaden martell yeah this was a hard one naomi get him what i was i was struggling with this one because i struggled i fucked this one bad I didn't know if i could count colin trevorrow as being a potential director of star wars no, you can't. Yeah, so I bailed on that, but I got I got one. But it right. was tough. Okay, uh, go ahead. You you start first. All right. So we got. Let's see what you were typing about this whole time. All right. So we we uh, we starting with our movie, which is uh, I'd, I'd like to refer to it as Blackface Mark and the Funky Bunch. Uh huh. Um, featuring Reasonable. Julia Louis Dreyfus, who was in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase, who was in the film Ellie Parker with Naomi Watts. <sighs> nice, dude. Thanks, You dog. crushed that pussy. 
Um, I fucked it up real bad. I have like so that's, that's five. I have like twelve steps. Oh shit. Mine was C. Thomas Howell, who was in the, <laughs> the seminal horse film Hidalgo. Oh my god. Starring Vigo Mortensen, Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, King Kong, Naomi Watts, Book of Henry. Ooh. That, how many was that? Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oof. Sorry, man. Can't always be spinning out gold. Like I said, put a lot of resources into certain things this episode. No, I'll Other take that W. Fell <laughs> yeah. by the wayside. Yeah. Worthy endeavors. All right, Dan, anything else? I don't know. What, what, what do you want to do? Uh, I want to say goodbye to the audience and then maybe do a little side piece. All right. Very quick. Yeah. Peace out, putos. All right. Don't say the baby. Know what I mean? Okay. I say, way. You said there wasn't like we... enough Latin shit. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, dude? I'm trying I to help know. you out. I, I just... I, I feel weird about ending this episode without saying something, but I don't know what to say. You mean without apologizing for being white? I mean, I feel like I do that on a daily fucking basis just by interacting with people on the internet. No, I'm kidding. Whoa. <laughs> We've got to now wrap it up. I'm Dan Lyons. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Say the baby. Baby.